We are a people that have been chosen of the Lord. Even if you didn't know it, that you were going to be here, we are chosen of the Lord. He's the one that seeks us. And he's the one that draws us to himself. It's all his work. And we're just the recipients of his love and how we respond and how we learn to walk with him as he teaches us so patiently. And bit by bit, we begin to understand what it means to be Christian. We think that that's a, a large category of, of people, but it brings us into a relationship with God our Father, who Jesus Christ has introduced God as Father. You know that that's probably one of the central truths, great central truths, that Jesus taught us that we hardly even recognize that that's where we got it from, is directly from Jesus. Hardly ever do we hear of God as Father in the Old Testament until Jesus came along and introduced us. And so because of the relationship that we have through Jesus Christ to Father God, we call him also Father. This uh, study on Romans says, bless me and bless me and bless me, and I trust it is you too. We are at a place in the gospel of God concerning Jesus Christ. And we're right now at the very heart, the very heart of what Paul started out to write this book about. And it's taken him seven chapters to get there. But you know what? That base, that foundation is ever so carefully laid for us. Like we talked last week, foundations are very, very important. I'm so pleased that the foundation of this church, and we stand on it, by the way, of this building is so strong and able to withstand earthquakes. I don't know to what extent it will stand, but the foundations are very important. And as we said last week, foundations, when you're building them, get very, very messy. But God has laid a foundation for us. And the seven chapters that we've come through now in Romans are foundational to the very heart of what we as Christians, this should be our focus. Paul brought us through the reality of our sinful state as human beings. And through the hard questions of how a just and holy God can approach and has reached out to sinners like us to bring us into relationship with him. Incredible that a God so holy would desire to be with us so unclean. But he made a way for that to the understanding that he provided the power for us to live as Jesus lived. Do you remember the wristbands that were popular several years ago? WWJD? 
WWJD, what would Jesus do? Now that was a very, very simplified form of what we're going to talk about today. That armband or wristband was meant for the purpose of reminding us to live like Jesus every day, every moment. Well, God's given us something better than an armband. He's given us the Holy Spirit to be with us, to teach us how to walk as Jesus walked. So, I don't know whether you still have your armband, but you can just put it in a drawer and save it as a souvenir or a relic to tell your kids and grandkids. Let's uh, read our portion this morning from Romans 8, 9 to 11. Just three short verses, but very, very profound. Paul jumps right in here. However, you were not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to you, to your mortal bodies, through his Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. Father, give us insight now. Help us, help me with my words and those thoughts that come that would be of you. Help us to speak. Help us to listen. Teach us now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A simple outline again. I'm titling this from verse 9, In the Spirit. And that means something to you that may have a whole lot of images and experiences, suppositions, but we're going to try and narrow it and try to understand what that means in the spirit. First of all, belonging. And then living. And then waiting. That pretty much brings us through the experience of being a Christian. Belonging, living, and waiting. Paul makes three statements about the basic condition of a person who has received Jesus Christ into his life. Verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. We belong to Christ. That's what we'll, we'll discover is the mark of a Christian, that we belong not to ourselves, but to someone greater than ourselves. We belong to Christ. Verse 10, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. And our spirits have been made alive. We who have accepted Jesus Christ have been made alive. We'll talk about that a little bit later in detail. Verse 11, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, your bodies that are not immortal or eternal. They are dying. And mine's more dead than yours is, but we are mortal men and women and children. 
And we're waiting for our mortal bodies to be redeemed, raised. We'll get into that also. First of all, though, I think we should just take a few minutes and bring some clarity and definition to the words and terms that we're using. Let's look at a diagram I made of three parts of us as people. First of all, we have the body. That's the outer shell. That's the one that we spend so much time on before a mirror. Most of you look like you spent quite a bit of time before a mirror this morning, before you came. That's great. You look great. I'm glad you were able to dress up that that mortal body and uh, look so good. That's what church is all about, right? Not quite. But basically, we as human beings, this is a very complex shell. Someone once said that if a, a turtle loses his shell, is he in the nude? Is he homeless? Well, we need our bodies. I don't know whether a turtle can live without a shell, but we need our shells around us in order to exist in this world. Our bodies are very complex, and we care a lot about our bodies. And then we are made up of a soul, which actually separates us from animals in in some ways, from the animal kingdom. Human beings have a part of us that is self-conscious, self-realized, and self-actualizing. I got that from uh, Abraham Maslow, by the way. Animals do have a certain kind of soul or personality or instinct, but not at all like us as humans. Your dog, you know, you, you leave him all day long and he lies there very quietly. Or sometimes if he needs something, he's barking and the next door neighbor can't answer, whatever. But you come in the house and he is so happy to see you. Some of you that have cats, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) You know, animals don't worship. They don't worship. That's one of the differences. I mean, a dog may just go crazy over you coming in the door, but he's not worshiping you. There's a bond there. He doesn't really have a soul. And cats... Well, I don't even think they have a soul or instinct. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Cats are so egotistical. They don't worship anybody but themselves. Oh, I, I, I think I, oh, I went over. I went over. Okay. I will quit. I give up. Okay. I give up. Let's move on. But what makes us very distinctive as creatures on the earth is our spirit. But there's something, something wrong about that. By and large, what has happened to our spirit? And when, it's, when God said, if you eat of that fruit, forbidden fruit, you will die. And Satan said, you're not 
die. But you know what? As soon as Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, they died. Where did they die? In their spirit. Their spirit died. It was still there, but it was not alive. The Spirit is, allows us to be aware of God and who He is and what He tells us, what He directs us. Our Spirit is really what allows us to even go beyond the physical and understand that there is a living God, Creator God, our Father. This is our God consciousness. Genesis 2, 26, 27 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over fish, birds, cattle, over every creeping thing on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And it's these three parts is the image of what we have been created in. A body, soul, and spirit, God also is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through this passage now in Romans 9 to 11 and look at the, uh, the word in spirit or the spirit However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so spirit has been listed here six times. Five times it's capitalized and once it's a small s. Why? What are we talking about? The small s has to do with what we were talking about, the spirit that's in us as human beings. The big S is for God who is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Jesus came along centuries later and said to a woman at the well, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Job also said in Job 32, 7 and 8, I thought age, or old people, 
should speak or age should allow you to have a platform to speak. And that's why I've been invited to be the preacher here at uh, MCC. And in increased years should teach us wisdom. This is Job saying this. This is not me. But it is a spirit in man and the breath of the Almighty. For breath is equivalent to spirit. That's what in Hebrew and in Greek, spirit is really the word breath. You remember my illustration that is, I've worn out now, I think, but God scooping up the dust of the earth and blowing into this man form and he, Adam became a living creature. We have the breath of God in us. The breath of the Almighty gives them understanding, Job says. We come to our first point then, belonging. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, for if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Don't get Paul wrong. When he does his argument, he's really a, uh, as we started out in Romans, we talked about it being kind of like a courtroom. And Paul is like a lawyer in his thinking. And so what he is doing is he is taking the negative side in order to enhance the positive side. So it's not like Paul starting out, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. His argument is, having the Spirit of Christ, you belong. And if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you belong. And you know, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, that's who came into you. Jesus can't come into us, by the way. We say, Jesus came into my heart. Did Jesus come into my heart? How did he come into my heart? By his Holy Spirit. We who confess Jesus Christ, that's who's inside of us. That's the light of our life, to have him dwelling in us. This is a glorious truth of Romans 8, and this is what will be developed in the rest of this chapter. Verse 9 is really a positive statement. Of course you belong to him because he gave his spirit to you. That's really what Paul is saying when he's got these ifs. Don't let the ifs throw you. They can't be said by a substitute word like since, but it is if, however, the fact is, or on the other hand, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong. That's the argument that supports, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so that's the emphatic way to say. But if someone doesn't have the Spirit of God, they're not part of Christ. You get the way this logic works? 
John 14, 16 to 19. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And then this is such an encouraging word here in verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. In that day, you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. That's the confidence that we have. We belong to Christ. Sometimes we may not act like it, but because of the forgiveness that we can have immediately on confessing our sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we have a relationship. It's like a good parent. When you've done something wrong, and you've come to them, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry. Any good mom and dad would say, well, yeah, that was one of my most expensive tools that you just ruined, but I forgive you. But God does better than that. He says, I'll replace that tool at my own cost. And that's what he has done for us. He has stepped in where we couldn't and has offered us forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Let's go on to point two in in living. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, and that if is, like I was saying, it is putting it in that context of Don't just take it for granted. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. So Paul gives us this confidence that we are alive, alive and living. Not because of our righteousness, not for any good works that we have done, but because of his righteousness that we have received payment for our ill-doing, our lack of holiness, righteousness. We receive his righteousness. It's not ours. It's his. Spirit is alive because of righteousness. That spirit with the small s is our human spirit is what it's talking about. He gives us righteousness for our spirit, our spiritual man, which is alive. That part of us, that core of our being. John 15, 26 and 27. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me and you will testify also. And so we as believers in Jesus Christ, we have a helper. And we need a helper. We need his 
life in us. We need him in order to be able to live the Christian life. I've said over and over again, the Christian life is impossible to live. And by ourselves, no one can live the Christian life. We have to have the helper inside of us, living in us, in order to be able to live the Christian life. We don't live it by ourselves. We don't act Christ-like by ourselves. We, we are alienated without the Spirit of Jesus in us. And that's what allows us to then live the impossible life. All of us are living an impossible life in the Spirit. Have you ever experienced that? When somebody has come up and, and asked you, what makes you so different? And you're kind of like, um, uh, well, uh, what are you talking about? Well, I just see that there's a difference in you. And you, you say, well, I'm just a normal... We just say that, that this is just, just me. No, there's something different about you. It's because of the Spirit of God. It's not about you. It's none of your credit, other than the fact that you said, yes, Jesus, come into my life. And that is to his glory and to his praise, that he has come in and dwells with us. Then in verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The idea that he comes and, and dwells in us comes from a life that he has already lived in the flesh. Jesus lived as a perfect man. He's the one that lived the Christian life. We didn't. We haven't. And we will never live that other than with the life that he gives us. And it's that that we're, could you say, uh, drafting? You know what drafting is? If you're behind a big truck that's barreling down the highway, you can get behind that truck with your car. Don't try this, teenagers or young drivers. You can get behind that big truck, and you can let off on the accelerator, the gas pedal, and that wind that is coming behind the truck is sucking air, and you can save gas. We're really drafting behind Jesus. He's already blazed the trail for us. And if you think of it that way, Jesus has gone before you. Why? Because he knows what's ahead of you, because he is God, and he's already faced every temptation. Every temptation. That is phenomenal. That I don't have to lug it out going to work and trying to live the Christian life. Knowing that Jesus has already lived it for me, I can walk in that strength and that power, that life, because he's dwelling in me. And I can become a credit to him. I can become 
one who gives honor and praise to him. So when that person has come up to you and say, there's something different about you, yes, you can boldly say, well, if you see anything in me that is commendable or you think I'm different, it's because of Jesus Christ. Try that out on one of your colleagues that happens to recognize that you're a little bit different as a Christian. You got it? It's a good opportunity for you to share your testimony with them. Yeah, it's not me, but I asked Jesus Christ into my life, and he's made all the difference, and he can in your life as well. Hardly took any company time at all to say that. We're waiting. Why are we waiting? Well, my illustration of the shell that is around us, we still have these bodies. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with our bodies? We're waiting. And these bodies are going to perish. And they're going to return to the dust. All of us are going to be in a situation like that unless the Lord comes right now and lifts us out of this room. But we all face that ultimately. Our bodies are wasting away. And the more that I think about life and the 76 years that I've lived, I've got lots of memories, but I'm running out of time to make more memories. That's why we're going on vacation tomorrow (laughs) to see our grandkids. But we as mortals are waiting for these bodies to be renewed and have a resurrection body like Jesus Christ and living in those glorified bodies forever. I can hardly wait to get into mine. I don't know what it's going to be like, and you don't either, but it's going to be glorious. Flossie's lost your dad, and uh, he stood right about right here, wasn't it, Flossie, and sang. Was that just last year? Can you imagine where he is right now? Standing before the throne. Perfect. You're going to love your dad even more. We are looking forward to that because of Jesus Christ living in us now. We have a hope and we are waiting for him to return. When is it that the father will say to the son, okay, it's time to get your bride. It's time to get your bride. We're the bride of Christ. And he's going to make us fresh and new and wholesome and beautiful. I used to be scared of the the return of Christ. I don't want to leave. No, you do want to leave. To be with him is far greater. And we look forward to that. The Holy Spirit is very important in this. 2 Corinthians 120-22, For as many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. Therefore also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God, who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. And that pledge is, Because you have my spirit, I'll raise you and give you a new body.
and will be forever with the Lord. In Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So by the fact that we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we are waiting for the salvation of our bodies, the redemption of our bodies. And we'll be whole human beings again. That is a glorious thought. That is a glorious truth. I think that having taken us this far in in Romans 8, Dan is going to pick it up from there. And we don't know how far Dan's going to get, but we're going to be listening. And uh, Dan, God bless you as you preach these next two sermons. This is a very precious, precious part of the scriptures that we have in Romans 8. And that's what we've been focusing on as we've been going through Romans. And so I would encourage you to come back again next Sunday and to hear what it is that we have as a hope, as a a goal in our life, that he has redeemed us. He has given us life. He is a savior that isn't just saving us for the transient or the the thing that just kind of is a, a vapor. He has eternity in mind for us. I am an eternal being. You have Jesus Christ in your heart. You are an eternal being. And you will live forever. What a glorious truth we have as Christians. This world is not worth hanging around. We need to reach out to our friends and neighbors while we have the time. But he wants us to be so much in anticipation of his return and of our being with him for eternity and all of our friends and family. We want to have them with us. That's what's in our hearts. That's placed there because Jesus has ordained that That was his life plan for us as human beings to save us and bring us to this place. If you haven't received Jesus Christ as Savior, we urge you to get in on this good gift Jesus Christ has provided for us, taking upon himself our sins in order that we would be free from the condemnation of our sins and be able to receive wholeness of life fullness of life, eternal life. That's what we Christians are so happy about. That's what makes us different. We're not really earthbound. We're heavenbound. We're headed for heaven. God bless you, and, and may you understand these scriptures and go over them. Read ahead in, in uh, Romans chapter 8. Prepare your hearts for this truth of what it means to have the Spirit of God in your life. Jesus lives in me because of the Spirit of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you 
that you have given us your Holy Spirit. That he is in us, moving our hearts, moving our, our hands and our feet, allowing us to be a blessing to those around us. We thank you that we don't stand as orphans, alienated. We do belong to you, and we thank you for that. Thank you for this life of Jesus in us. Your gift, your gifting. And we thank you for the hope and anticipation that we have of hearing that trumpet someday and we'll know this is it. This is what we're looking for. And in the meantime, Lord, use us as witnesses in this great land, in this place where there is such despair. Lord, we pray that you allow us to speak to somebody this week about the hope that is in us, that we have of our coming Savior and Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.